0: Good news for people listening to this episode. Evan and I just recorded a 20-minute Freeform episode, so a lot of the random BS we would normally talk about has made it all into an entire episode.
1: You're right. So you're welcome. <laughs> of course, you don't get to hear that until the end of the yeah, year. Yeah, so but... you got to wait
0: two more weeks for that episode. <laughs> but I, we promise you it was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, you'll like it. <laughs> um,
0: so uh, what have you been up to this week? Anything...
1: Anything crazy? I'm trying to think. Oh, you know what I've been up to? Hmm. Moving that goddamn elf on the shelf around my fucking house.
0: The, you have to I moving. Mean, the elf moves on its
1: own. Yeah, whatever. I I mean, I heard parents complain about it, and I was like, it's a little dramatic. All you have to do is move an elf at night. But that's not, that's not the problem. The problem is your kid's constant obsession with the elf. Constantly, like, do you think the elf has moved? What if the elf moved? Uh, I accidentally touched the elf. We gotta put cinnamon on the elf because the elf won't be able to move anymore. <laughs> is that the coming role? down, they come down. They don't go to bed until midnight because they keep coming down the stairs because they gotta pee one more time to see did the elf move. And then they're waking up at fucking five in the morning, looking around <laughs> to see if the elf moved. I'm gonna, I'm gonna literally, I'm gonna put that elf over a fire and I'm gonna leave it there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know what? One of my, uh, I think David's uncle did once is he put it like. They had a fireplace with, like, a glass cover. He put it, like, in the fireplace. See, Like I, this, like... <laughs> like, it needed help to get I out. I would love to do that.
1: I don't think I could do that with ours. I wish I, I could know. because it's just... Oh, my God. I, it's fun. In some ways, it's fun. And it's cute. But it is just a lot of, like, It's like, go fuck to bed so I can move this goddamn Literally wall. last <laughs> night, if Jay, if Jay got out of bed one more time, I was I was like, go to sleep. I have to pee. You do not have to pee. I don't want to be that parent, but you have peed six times in the last hour. You don't have to pee. You are looking for that elf. As you walk around the entire house to go to the bathroom that's right there. (laughs)
0: Now. David uh, bought me a Kindle on Black Friday because he um, does not like the massive amount of books. I didn't even have a massive amount of books. I have like maybe 20. Yeah. But he just like we don't have a bookshelf so they just go under our coffee table (laughs) and I think if I had a bookshelf um, it wouldn't be a problem but also I'm like very picky about furniture and I've looked at like so many different bookshelves and there's just like I haven't found the right one Mm -hmm. so he bought me a Kindle and I opened a library card and you can rent fucking library books on your Kindle so so (laughs) now I thought somebody was coming downstairs now not only do I have Kindle which will prevent me from buying physical books Mm -hmm. I can also rent books from the library I put holds on so many books They were like you can't put any (laughs) more holds on Until you've gone through some of these Um, Because some of them were like This is on hold for like 16 weeks And I'm like I'm just going to put it right now yeah. Yeah. Um, But it has been Really awesome because I can also lay down with it in bed and read it with the lights off and everything. And it's not a problem because the screen's backlit. So if, you know, David wants to go lay down in the bed, we can go lay down there and I can still read. That's nice. um, It's really nice. It's waterproof, so I can take it in the bath. We put uh, some more smart lights in. So we have a smart light right over our bathtub now. Oh. So I turn all the lights off and just turn that on like a deep blue. Yeah. And like that's real nice to have like, you know, like a bubble bath and that with just that deep blue light on. It's kind of, feels kind of high end, even though it's yeah. just a regular bathtub. Um,. Yeah, I mean, we've been really, we haven't done, we haven't really left the house because of COVID, you know, obviously, but we've been really good and just spending time at home, been playing some video games and relaxing. And that's really it. We've been binge watching Survivor. The last week we finished two seasons.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We've been binge watching The Great British Bake Off. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's actually a couple weeks ago. I don't know if I said this on the podcast. I surprised Samantha. With a night out in Newport, which was so in I the I think state. I saw her
0: post about it, but I don't think you talked about it. Yeah,
1: so it, w- it was in the state of. We didn't leave the state and we went to this place where you did it. It was a hotel where you didn't interact with anyone else. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't check in or check out even. You just went to your room. Yeah, a lot of those, then you them left.
0: have those now where you could just have a keypad or something. Yeah,
1: you just do a keypad. You just go straight into your room and then you leave. Mm-hmm. Everything we needed was on our floor. Like there was a little coffee bar. So we just stayed in the hotel the whole night. That's really and nice. We literally. Went, um, we brought our Apple TV and we watched an entire season of The Great British Bake Off. That was, that was our romantic getaway. <laughs> but you know what? Like
0: that, just being in a different environment, yeah. even if you're, it's you know, even if you're just doing the same things, even if you're just out of your house, away from. There's something about being like staying at a hotel or staying at an Airbnb. Uh-huh. Like you just. You can relax because you're not constantly reminded of all the little things you have to do. Oh, I need to do this. Oh, I have to write this. Oh, I have to research this. Oh, I have to do this. When you're out of that environment, you can just say plugs off like let's just be us.
1: Well, that's that. And then that's the thing. That's one thing they're talking about how people are working so much more and they're they're working during their sick days because when your office is right there, it's a lot harder to take time away mm-hmm. and you're you're just doing so much like all you can do. And I think part of it's also the distraction of like, I can't freaking do anything else. So I'm going to leave or so I'm going to, to work on this work. I mean, I started an entire organization during the mm-hmm. pandemic because what the fuck else was I going to yeah, do? Yeah.
0: Like <laughs> I same for me, I didn't start an organization, but like yeah. once I punch out of work, I'm like, well, I can either, A, go sit on the couch like I've done for the past eight, nine months. Yeah. Or I can, you know, spend a couple hours working on our social media or I can uh, make some graphics or I can, you know, work on a couple scripts or, you know, there's just all these little things that, like you said, are distractions, but they are also work and they do take a toll on you because, Mm -hmm. like, yesterday, for example, I was laying on the couch and from the time I woke up, I worked, you know, I did my regular day and then I spent, like, three hours on and off just on the phone updating instagram doing these little things which seem minimal and they are but when you spend your whole day doing that it's an entire day of work and then you're so drained and you're like i didn't have any time for myself because i thought i was making time for myself by distracting myself but really i'm yeah i just worked all day
1: yeah and that, and it's all and then that's and so you're right like just having a night Really our day, you know, where we mm-hmm. didn't have to do any of that. There was no computers there. We did turn our phones off and we just watched TV and they had a massive jacuzzi tub in the room oh, and we enjoyed that awesome. and, you know, got takeout, of course. And so there's the sepsis <laughs> didn't have to sleep in bed with any dogs yes, or children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was, it was just nice. Uh, it was a good reset. So I don't know where I was going with that just something to talk about yeah i know but i was i was talking about something else before that i don't know but my whole thing is i don't remember what i was talking about (laughs) i don't remember and if you are used to that (laughs) statement that's because you have been listening to this
0: podcast and we are Really good at talking about anything we want to talk about. So,
1: anything and nothing at all. Yep, <laughs> You could give us a word on a card and Paul and I would have a whole conversation uh, yep. about it. Maybe that'll be our next podcast. <laughs> word <laughs> on a card. That would actually be
0: fun. <laughs> Just a stack of random words, flip it over, boom. <laughs> Just record. talk about them. Yeah. <laughs>
1: there we go. Um, that's the kind of podcast I think my wife would like. Yeah. Something that takes a lot Your of wife, my time. Sam- and
0: Samantha would really she love, would love that.
1: something like that, right? Like, I spent all this time working and researching an yeah. hour trying to write these scripts doesn't care but if i did a podcast where i was just talking about nothing oh my god she'd eat it up Mm -hmm. two kinds of people in the world anyways um you want to remind our listeners
0: before we uh jump into the episode um once again we are able to play your voices on our podcast you can go to your queer uh no not your queer story (laughs) yqspod.com slash call and uh, you can just leave us a real quick voice message. You don't actually have to call anybody, but that was the most <laughs> appropriate word. Visit the website. Click the. Uh, bri- oh, my God. I'm sorry.
1: Somebody's walking with their heels.
0: Literally. I think they are intentionally stomping. There's no Usually way you're walking Usually the kids are upstairs <laughs>
1: on their iPads. And instead, God knows what they're fucking doing today. All right. Go ahead.
0: Um, where was I going with that? Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> you love the wife. Y- you love the Web page. YQSPOD.com slash call click the bright red button you can record a message right there comes directly to evan and us we can play it on our podcast and uh we would love any kind of recording you can say how much you love us you can say Mm -hmm. how much you hate us i probably won't play that one though (laughs) um you can offer us corrections on episode if we pronounce something wrong or if hey maybe we had a year wrong or something that could possibly happen just let us know we'll play it we want our education and our resources to be as accurate as possible um so if you feel like something is missing or you want to add some information, just please call in and let us know.
1: Yeah. And, and um, you know, and we love when people reach out and message us on social media. So keep doing that. But, you know, if you think about it and you want to give us a voicemail instead of a message. If you've got an idea for a podcast, we had a great idea for a podcast this week from one of our listeners, um, about the chef. What's his name? Oh, Oh God. I can't remember, but I loved it. I was already did a little research and I absolutely agree. I'm excited about that. uh, That episode whenever it comes. Um, so, so yeah, you could call and leave us suggestions. I mean, just anything you want. We just want to hear from our listeners. It's a great way for us to interact and it's so easy now with the anchor app. Mm -hmm. So check it out. Um, (laughs) But yeah, now I'm I'm ready for a very holiday a holiday yes. episode.
0: We have spent the year scaring you, <laughs> telling you how horrible everything is, <laughs> telling you about all of these horrible things that the queer community has went through. Yes. Um so we figured, you know, what way? What better way to end 2020 than uh, with a couple light episodes for it's you. It's not all bad. It's not all bad. Just mostly. I'd say like 95%. <laughs> we're slowly
1: increasing that ratio of good, though. We, we really are. are.
0: It takes time. But you know what? If you look around most of the world, you'll see at least some progress. Mm-hmm. And now that uh, Trump has been voted out, I am going to roll our, you know how there's a doomsday clock? Yeah. I'm going to make a Handmaid's Tale clock. I was saying 20 years. We were from Handmaid's Tale. Uh-huh. Trump got voted out. I'm going to roll that clock back to 30 years.
1: 30 years. Wow. We've got 30 years more, folks. Yes,
0: but we're 30 years away. Now that time can continue to go back depending on the next few elections and how our rules and regulations come into place under new administrations. Trump really brought us forward. I feel like we took a nice step back.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um... If he gets reelected in fucking twenty twenty four, then we're that jumps right to, to ten. Six, yeah, <laughs> we're in the handmaids' <laughs> house. So, there's been a coup, and we're all just putting on the red now. <laughs> uh. um, all right, but well, before we begin, we want to give a shout out to all our pansexual listeners who celebrated Pansexual Pride Day on December eighth. That was yesterday. If you are new to the podcast or are not familiar with the term pansexual, this refers to individuals who are attracted to others based on their connection and not limited by sex or gender identity. This is not the same as... Uh, the identity of pan ugh. this is not the same identity as bisexual and many pan individuals are often overlooked or ignored by the larger lgbtq plus movement so there's there's a lot of great bi pride and i love it but pan sec, pan pride is also a thing and so yep. recognizing that you can learn more by checking out the video linked in our script or picking up the book how queer Personal Narratives from Bisexual, Pansexual, Polysexual, Sexually Fluid, and Other Non-Monosexual Perspectives by Author Faith Buecham. Buesch- oh, shit. I had it. Bueschman. I, Bueschman. I, I looked it up the other day, too. Buchanan? No, it's not <laughs> Just Buchanan. B, it's B-E-A-U-C-H-E-M-I-N, and that's also linked in our script. If you know
0: how to say that word, please send it in. <laughs> we will play it on the next send episode. Send us a
1: voicemail. And we hope all our pansexuals out there feel some extra love this week.
0: Um, was, is, or was Faith a scientist or just an author? I don't know Because that is a very science-sounding name of a book. I, you
1: don't change your name based on your profession.
0: Um, have you ever, any book by a scientist is like <laughs> fucking 18 words Carol long. Carol Asperger's Yeah, but, no, not the last name. Huh? I'm talking about the name of the book.
1: Oh, the the book. Oh, I thought you were talking about the last name. Scientists
0: always name their books like 18 words. It's never like the (laughs) story of this. (laughs) No, I'm telling you,
1: every book is this long now because there's always the title and then there's their subtitle and everybody's got to have it. You know why? Because there's so many books in the world. That's true. But really, yeah. So, but I do like the uh, the whole thing of, uh, you know, it's just all very sexually fluid, non- really binary even though some people see bisexual as binary but most bisexual people do not see their identity Mm -hmm. as binary so um anyways yeah so check it out and happy pan pride day
0: yes happy pan pride day and as we move full force into the holiday season we can't go another minute without recognizing one of the most popular songs of the holiday and the man behind it For the last 26 years, the the song Last Christmas has remained a consistent holiday favorite, continuing to top the charts again and again through the month of December. Part of this is due to the unique style of the song, which tells the sad story of unrequited love while jamming away to a smooth, almost happy electric beat. While most Christmas songs tend to all sound the same, Wham!'s 1984 hit remains a refreshing break from the traditional.
1: Are you going to sing that for us?
0: or? Last Christmas, you gave, I, I gave well, you no, my you've heart. you already lost it. Get out. The very next day, you Ooh. gave it away. And that's all we can do without getting sued, I'm sure. <laughs> We've already been sued. Have Are we? you kidding No. Oh, I was like, have we? <laughs> Oops.
1: <laughs> Check those emails. <laughs> no. Uh, yes. So, I don't know... When was the last? Do you remember the first time you le- you heard Last Christmas?
0: I don't remember the um last the first time I heard it, but I do know the first time I heard Wake Me Up Before You Go Go. Oh, okay. Oh, is, is that what it's called? Yes. What's the song? Okay, yeah. So, uh, as a kid, I had a piano, like a it wasn't a toy piano. It was like an in between toy and like actual learner's piano, like an electric keyboard. My mom bought it for me, or maybe my grandma did. I don't remember. But there were buttons at the top and some buttons would be like Mary Had a Little Lamb and the keys would light up and show you how to play it. And the last button was wake me up before you go-go. Uh. And that's when I knew I was gay because I was like, this is the he's one. Like, he
1: pitched, he's like, oh, what am I feeling? The wow. key, yeah, the keys were like lighting up
0: and the music was going. And I was like, yep. And that was my first. I I remember being so small. I must have been like eight. Yeah. Like I was like a kid kid. Like, yeah, it was awesome.
1: I was, of course, in high school because so the thing with 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 music and our cult it, Christmas music, it was very blurred because, you know, there's a lot of very traditional music or Christmas songs that they loved and sang. And of course, the whole season of Christmas is about the birth of Christ. Um, but there were we weren't supposed to like I wasn't supposed to listen to Mariah Carey's. Um. Well, what is it? <laughs> Shit. Um, all I want for <laughs> Christmas is... The gays are leaving. <laughs> <laughs> the gays are leaving. Okay. I know it's All I Want for Christmas is <laughs> you. All I Want for Christmas is you. Um, and then Last Christmas was another one that I was not supposed to listen to, but you would listen to the Christmas radio station, 93.9. Yeah,
0: and it would just come
1: on. It, it would come in, on, and so I listened to it, and I remember I was like, oh my, what is this? Like, something woke up into me, and then um, I was listening to it one day while we were out Teen Soul Winning, which is where we would go around and tell people about Jesus, and one of the girls was like You know the guy that sings this is gay We shouldn't be listening to this We're supporting gay people And, I w- and as I listened to the song I was like you know I, This this does sound like a- I for the longest time I thought he was singing about another guy mm-hmm. And I think he was But um- Well actually
0: I watched an interview that he gave in 1998 And he said that all of his previous music to him To like before he came out Well written about women
1: Yeah well, But
0: maybe I don't know If you listen to the words I question it but maybe it's maybe he. Can, but this was also a statement in 1998. So exactly. how how accurate is that? How much was he trying to protect his image to maintain it the the face of stardom? Because you know, nine times out of ten, when somebody comes out as queer, their their career is kind of over, or yeah. it's it reaches a glass ceiling that they cannot break. You've seen people break that glass ceiling: Melissa Etheridge, uh-huh. um, George Michael, definitely. I think broke that ceiling. Yeah. Uh, Ricky Martin, but nine times out of 10 you do get stopped it so, still takes a toll his, yes
1: in america his career especially took a huge oh yeah toll. that was it and in 1998 as we'll see he was forcibly outed he did not come mm-hmm. out so i think that might also take a toll i'm not he he dated women and but he only there was only one woman that he ever saw as a legitimate girlfriend a mm-hmm. bona fide girlfriend um and, but the thing about being queer is that even if you don't intend for something to be about your queer identity, if you're in the closet, it still has. It's still going to shine through. Yeah. Like, how do you listen to Last Christmas and not get the feeling of like, something shady's happening yep. here? Hmm. <laughs> not saying queer is shady, but just like, you're, yeah. there's hiding. There's, there's a lot of. Uh,
0: you have to read between the lines. Exactly. There's, there's things put in there that you have to question. And you're like, hmm, okay, I know where you're going there. Yeah,
1: exactly. So the storyline is far too familiar to so many LGBTQ plus people returning home for the holidays. The protagonist runs into their former lover and is reminded of being dumped this time last year. A feeling of clandestine meetings and forbidden love seems to tease as an unspoken theme throughout the song. So many questions are left unanswered as listeners hear the singer pour out his heart. In the final verse, he bemoans the disappointment of breakup after breaking out into a bridge that almost sounds like a coming out. The lyrics read, a crowded room, friends with, I'm not going to sing it folks, I'm not going to, a crowded room, friends with tired eyes, I'm hiding from you. And your soul of ice, which I did not know that it said soul of ice until I wrote this out. I always was like, and your soul of ice. (laughs) Nobody knows what it is. (laughs) My God, I thought you were someone to rely on. Me, I guess I was a shoulder to cry on. A face on a lover with a fire in his heart. A man undercover, but you tore me apart. Now I found a real love. You'll never fool me again. There's
0: just so much there. (laughs) A man undercover.
1: Wait, what is that line? That
0: is clear queer coding (laughs) in music. (laughs) It absolutely is. But you know, when you listen to the song compared to when you read the lyrics like you just read them, Uh it puts them in a different perspective. Because when it's to that happy beat, you're not really listening to the words. Yeah. But when you read it kind of like a poem, you're like... Okay, I see something a little different here. Yeah, exactly. Than what I saw before, and I've noticed that because I have had to go back and like, you know, you sing a song, you don't think about what's behind the scenes, but when you really break it down, it is kind of like,
1: oh shit. See, i am all—I'm a very, very lyric person. I cannot—I cannot listen to something just. I mean, well, I can't say I never listen to something just for the beat, but like, I—I I have to enjoy the lyrics to something, and I I'll always listen and think mm-hmm. about why do they write this? What was the thing behind it?
0: And see, I'll listen to something, and. Of majority of songs I will take the uh, artist's voice and it'll kind of become an additional instrument where I will listen to the voice and I I know words are being said but they don't necessarily register in my brain they're just kind of like a another instrument but there are songs like this one now that you read when I hear them I'm like okay this is way more deep than I, I thought yeah And for those who aren't queer, the lyrics seem to only imply the freedom found in new love. But to those who have been rejected by someone not yet ready to come out of the closet, the story hits hard. Many of us have found ourselves back home for the holidays, running into a former flame that no one else ever knew about. In fact, this story- In fact, this storyline has actually become quite popular in recent LGBTQ films with Hulu's Happiest Season, serving as a perfect example. And though the writer never revealed any personal events that inspired the Christmas classic, plenty of speculation has been made about whether George Michael's time in the closet played a role.
1: So let's pause for a second and talk about Happiest Season. I'm, a, I got, I'm not going to elaborate deeply. You, I wrote a review on the podcast, on the, um, the YQS um, blog, you can read it, but I... I still cannot get over how disappointed I was on The Happy Season. And I think part of it was the way they pitched it to people. They they pitched it as this lighthearted rom-com. That we was finally like, made an all-inclusive LGBTQ right? holiday like, movie. Check is it out. This Hallmark-ish type movie that you've always wanted. And that wasn't what it was. It, it still centered around someone in the closet, which can be fine. I mean, honestly, it's just so much a part of our identities. That's true. But it it also centered around a very selfish... like, um, cruel girlfriend who was supposed to be like, there was supposed to be like, Oh, she's in the closet. And that's why she's such a piece of shit. And it's just like, no, that's not how the closet works. Right. Like that's not like she was a piece of shit from the time she was in high school until the time she got out. And I don't even, I mean, I thought I would have loved if Kristen Stewart and Aubrey Plaza had had a little love story going on, but even if they didn't, it didn't matter. It was the fact that they had Kristen Stewart take back Her shitty girlfriend in a fucking loves parking lot. Loves is a gas station chain in the South. Oh my God loves. Loves parking lot and take her back. Her girlfriend gets out gives the most adequate um, apology I've ever heard in my life. And Kristen Stewart's like, okay, yes, absolutely. Did you deny me in front of your entire family? Yes. Did you ignore me for the whole four days that I've been here? Yes. Did you almost cheat on me with your be- um, your ex-boyfriend? Yes. But hey, we're standing outside this gas station, so I guess I'll forgive And you know it.
0: what? What else are we supposed to do? <laughs> we're just two
1: queers. That just, we just got to make it. Exactly. We don't have anyone else. I don't have any other options.
0: I'm glad I didn't watch it because that would have probably triggered me so hard. Uh, and if you so are bad. not from an, an area like that, if you are from a progressive area, like you've lived there your entire life. Evan and I cannot explain enough yeah. how vastly different the Midwest and South are because you are. it is not okay to be queer out there things yeah. are still hard you still get looks, you still get questions these uh, homophobes and these religious cults really do run the Bible belt and that is not an exaggeration so just seeing something like that played out in a movie, I can't, I, I can't watch it. Nope. Yeah.
1: There was also a, a, a really interesting perspective that I heard because the character Abby, played by Kristen Stewart, who did a great job. And that was also what was annoying because people did such a good job. Like the movie was great except for the, that storyline. Mm-hmm. But like the actor, I mean, Dan Levy, hilarious. Um, I do not know who played the sister Jane. I don't know her name, but she, oh great. I'm actually I
0: mean, surprised Dan Levy didn't say like, hey, let's not do this. I
1: am, I'm surprised as well because he's done so good that's at why that's why great when i saw him in the movie yeah,
0: I'm talking over here sorry when I saw him in the movie I'm so surprised that that's how the review came out because I would have thought that he would be like uh, no this is not okay
1: well he didn't write it so yeah, I mean there's there's so much that he
0: could do mm-hmm. he's like I um, want to get paid
1: yeah but <laughs> like yeah I was surprised as well he did do an interview with Aubrey Plaza where they talked about that mm-hmm. about he's like how do you how do you feel about all the people that think you and Kristen should have ended up together and Aubrey was like you know honestly I hope they write it in the streets there you go <laughs> but um Where was they going with that? So, um, oh, oh, no, there was a great interesting perspective because the character Abby played by Kristen Stewart is an orphan. And they also tied in how like orphans are also constantly trampled on and expected to just accept the scraps that are thrown Mm -hmm. them. And that also tied into this identity of like, you know, well, you don't have anyone else. So I guess you should just have to stick with her anyways so that's that's a that's a summary of the review of happiest season but if you still want to watch it you go right ahead
0: (laughs) full spoiler alert after the
1: fact exactly (laughs) sorry i ruined it all for you (laughs) um anyways the song last christmas is attributed to the band wham but only one member actually had anything and everything to do with the hit born in east finchley london in june of 1963 Georgios was the son of Greek immigrants. In secondary school, George would meet one of his lifelong friends and future bandmate, Andrew Ridgely. The two formed a larger band with a group of friends, but the duo soon broke away to create their own musical franchise. Their first record, Wham Rap, R-A-P, I don't know what, I don't know. Wham Rap dropped in June of 1982 and met mild success. profanity on the album caused many stations to shy away from playing some of the more popular songs i'll have to
0: check it out but (laughs) i also um did listen to another interview where uh george said he walked into the classroom and he was like taller than everybody else and he was also like a little heavy Mm -hmm. um and he was like really awkward and he's like uh this guy told me to come sit by him and if i didn't go sit by him who knows where i'd be at today so he attributes like that first introduction to meeting um i don't know the other guy yeah yeah. meeting andrew is like oh it's right there (laughs) meeting andrew is like uh accepting him and he kind of felt comfortable and um so that was kind of cool just to hear him say like this guy said come sit by me and he'll take care of me so here i am
1: it seems like andrew was always a good consistent friend to george
0: um the same year the band released their first album george told andrew he was bisexual he also attempted to come out to his family but it was but was advised by a sibling not to tell his parents. Like many LGBTQ people during the 80s, Michaels risked facing harsh backlash, losing his musical career, and even being imprisoned if he came out as bisexual. English law during this time was ruled under the Sexual Offense Act of 1967. This ruling only allowed acts of homosexuality if the individuals were all 21 years or older, all consenting, and if sexual experiences were contained privately and only between two people at the time that was when he uh, at the time that he first came out to closest friends george michaels was only 19 years old making any sexual interactions between him and another man illegal which how fucking bullshit <laughs> that they will make a law they have to be 21 like make all of these rules right. and then you have fucking priests molesting children and catholic churches right. and there's no question about it like nobody's cares they're like oh yeah you know this 70 year old priest is touching this fucking. Twelve-year-old boy yeah. or twelve-year-old girl. I throw my hands up. That's the that's the church out there. They're not doing anything. Else. Yeah,
1: no, it's just it's it's just so it's so offensive again to be like because even at this time, how many older men were having sex? Were marrying girls who are fifteen and sixteen? Oh, years it was old? very common. And you're telling two guys that they can't have sex unless they're twenty-one. And on also like, well, it could only be between two of you, and it's got to be private. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, just this idea like uh, of the orgies and and again how many men are having threesomes with two women but threesomes right. Oh yeah men. that's fine right. and i'm sure yeah. if
0: it was you know a few girl like you said like a few girls yep. and just one guy like oh that's fine it's fun you're all having a good time you know it's not the sodomy what are they called not the sodomy laws the, the uh so- sexual offense yeah. <laughs> um i had another point to make but i forgot it oh and to uh compile on top of that the fact that they have made the queer identity entirely sexual yes you know your entire identity is all about sex that's all you're good for you can't get married you can't have rights you know we're still gonna think you're a little disgusting as we walk past you on the streets but guess what on top of that now we're gonna tell you you can't have sex you can't do this you can't do that you have to meet all these requirements make sure you check off all this checklist before you have sex later on
1: yep yep that's absolutely true that's all we've ever been reduced to
0: (laughs) and with that We'll be right back.
1: (laughs) And we're back. So, you know, the first half we talk about how George Michael kind of got his start and the queer undertones that are all throughout the song last Christmas. Now we're going to talk about, you know, writing the the song, the rest of the story. (laughs)
0: In later years, George would open up about a story and tell the Huffington Post, My depression at the end of Wham! was because I was beginning to realize I was gay, not bisexual. This is a feeling that only those in the queer community can understand. Coming out once is incredibly vulnerable and terrifying, even, even for those from the most supportive backgrounds. After we have cleared this hurdle, a feeling of relief and comfort takes over. Realizing there is more to explore and understand about ourselves can feel like we're losing that sense of safety all over again, especially if this new identity will put us in a higher risk group than before. To be clear, this is not to say there's no such thing as bisexuality or any type of biphobic commentary. This is not the point of our explanation or george's own revelation it is to point out that some people take small steps to fully realizing their identity and everyone's journey looks different and i think that's so important to point out because i mean you've experienced personally you know like just because you come out once doesn't necessarily mean you have to stick with that identity and that's also something we've kind of talked about multiple times on this podcast you know Mm -hmm. don't feel like i'm especially the younger generation seems to very much uh box themselves into very specific things they're this sexual this romantic you know and if that's your identity great but always know that as you grow and develop as a person you can change um, your words because they are you so as you grow and evolve and you learn more about yourself take control of uh, if you want to label yourself label yourself if you don't want to label yourself don't label yourself live your life how you want to live your life and know that we'll be here to support you even if yeah. nobody else does <laughs>
1: yeah and I, and I, like i said when i say that this is common i mean a lot of lgbtq people do get this there's a there can be a seeking feeling when you you think you understand yourself and you realize there's more and just the feeling of am i gonna have to go through all that again what if people don't accept this i got people to accept that what if they don't accept this mm-hmm. a lot of bisexual people have gone through times where they're like i'm just bi-curious mm-hmm. you know i'm not really bisexual i i just have some fantasy and then they're the one day they're like, oh, fuck it, shit, I am bisexual. You know, a lot of gay people, people will come out as gay and then they'll realize, you know what, actually, I'm bisexual. So, again, this is not a, a commentary on bisexuality. That was just George's experience. Mm-hmm. It's just saying that a lot of times you realize there's more to the story and it's it's tough. It can be, as George put it, depressing to mm-hmm. come to that point in your life and realize there's still farther there's, to go.
0: Yes, because when uh, when you have made that initial landing – he says it so perfectly like you get it out you face all the backlash and then you're comfortable because you you know you're here you're finally who you think you're supposed to be and um, now everybody knows and you're like okay whatever it's done but then to come out a second time Mm -hmm. is just monumental and having to go through that whole process all over again and potentially receive even more backlash
1: yeah During the height of his internal struggle, George would go on to write and record the song that became a worldwide Christmas favorite. And when we say George Michael, we mean George Michael alone. After going home for the holidays with his business partner, Andrew, the teen pop star says the inspiration hit him while watching a game of football. Uh, When I say teen pop star, I mean at this time in his life, he was very, Wham was very much a teen. It was kind of like a a BTS of today, Mm -hmm. you know, like that kind of following. Michaels ran up to his childhood bedroom and wrote the first verse in Bridge before calling Ridgely in to hear the song. Though Andrew appreciated the tune, it would be several months before George would make it into a recording studio to create his Christmas record. Wham! was struggling to stay relevant in a booming UK pop industry, and the 1984 tour was grueling and disappointing. Critics were especially harsh on the duel, and George was beginning to wonder if he could make it on his own. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, And I don't know if you have this in here anywhere, but uh, George actually said when he gets to working on lyrics, he likes to be alone for hours because he Mm -hmm. just, like, listens to the melody. And he says when it hits, like, when he gets it, he gets, like, this tingling feeling in the back of his neck. And, like, anybody who's done any creative work, I'm sure you've experienced that when you're like, oh, this is it. Like, you get that, like, head rush, that, like... I don't know, there's just like this dopamine that takes over your body and that was really cool to hear him like relate to that.
1: I get that rush whenever I finally cl- get a clarity on what I'm doing for an episode. I'm like, <laughs> where am I going? Oh! Well, that's why is. that new
0: calendar is going to be so beneficial. <laughs> exactly. I bought one for social media, but then I was like, okay, this is going to be really good for Yeah, Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm
1: excited because I was I, I was literally looking at this and I'm like, well, I need a fucking calendar because I have all mm-hmm. my stuff written down, so I'm excited.
0: <laughs> In August, George finally had the time to record his holiday song, a tech hung a few Christmas lights to set the mood but aside from george uh, but aside from george michael only the engineer and two assistants were allowed in the studio the artist insisted on doing every piece of music himself from singing every line and every part to playing every instrument and he he also did talk about this in the interview he's (laughs) like because he said like he can just have all of this and be by himself he just likes to Mm -hmm. have like that space like get away from me let me just create yeah Most interesting is the fact that George had no professional training on the instruments and tediously pounded out the notes one at a time. Brilliant. This is why the music to Last Christmas is so simple and fairly unoriginal. However, the poetry of the lyrics and the intricate story told in the song is what made the record a lasting success. Even with the stiff competition that year, Last Christmas hit number two on the charts in both 1984 and 1985, losing out the number one spot to George Michael's Christmas collaboration song, the charity group band aids Do They Know It's Christmas.
1: So he was really on one and two, but, Mm -hmm. um, he, he, and it's interesting in, in the, in the UK, I think I say in a minute. Uh, he never hit number one. He oh. was always number two. Wow. Yeah. But still, like it, it's been consistently at the top of the charts mm-hmm. for, what, 40, 26 years. Um, but yeah, I just it's just interesting because, like you said, with him wanting to play all the music, there's even one assistant that really wanted to do the sleigh bells. And George was like, no, I do it all. This is <laughs> I'm my I'm doing bench. the sleigh bells. <laughs> it's like, Can I just ring a couple? No. This is my pick." <laughs> and they would just watch him and he would just do like two fingers at a time on the on and there's probably somebody who's like a professionally (laughs) trained musician they're just like wanting to pull their hair out of their head (laughs) I totally get that
0: though because when I'm in the creative mood like don't talk to me don't bother me like I know what I'm creating let me create it and I totally get that
1: In fact, during its 26-year run on the radio, Last Christmas has charted in the top three spots for 24 different countries, topping number one in seven of those countries, though never quite passing the number two slot in Georgia's home of the UK. Yet still... The Christmas Bop has remained a consistent favorite and its smashing success gave Wham a much-needed boost. For the next two years, George and Andrew delivered several number one hits including Careless Whisper and Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. George also did several more collaborations and became much more serious about his career and ambitions. The resounding success of his Christmas song had shown him that he was capable and given him the confidence he needed. In 1986, Wham! finally came to an end and George launched his solo career. And it really, it really like this Christmas song really showed George Michael that he could be have a solo career. And it's Mm -hmm. like without Last Christmas, we might not have the George Michael that we know.
0: Well, thank goodness for that. Over the next 30 years, George Michael enjoyed one of the most successful music careers any celebrity has ever experienced. He sold more than 80 million copies of his solo records alone. He was awarded numerous awards and twice voted as Best British Male Artist. By the time he passed away, Michaels had amassed a fortune of nearly $100 million. But his legacy did not not just include his music, it also included his philanthropy and activism. Like several other LGBTQ stars of the era, George became committed to fighting the AIDS crisis. Of course, much of this was due to his own personal invested interest, especially after suffering a deep loss that he couldn't share with the world. And, of course, every time we talk about the 80s, (laughs) these musical artists had to raise the money to fund the research because the governments did not give a fuck. So it was entirely on the backs of the queer community to take care of themselves.
1: Go back, listen to our episode on Freddie Mercury and Elton John. I mean, The AIDS crisis,
0: the ACT UP. It is literally, the government did not give a fuck. If it was not for these people... I don't know what would have been done about Mm -hmm. the AIDS crisis. And honestly, I don't know what would have been done. Nothing would have been done.
1: No. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, we need it. I mean, uh, and one day we'll cover Elizabeth Taylor as well Mm -hmm. as an ally, what she did in honor of Rock Hudson. But yeah, it really was these these artists stepping up to do what the government should have done. Mm Throughout the 1980s, George continued to date women, though most of them were props. He later admitted that he felt guilty using them, and as the AIDS pandemic grew worse, he feared he might infect someone as he was still hooking up with strangers. In 1992, as his solo career was exploding, Michael fell in love with a dress designer named Anselmo. He told the advocate a decade later, I thought I had fallen in love with a woman a couple times. Then I fell in love with a man and realized that none of those things had been love. That's like the the truest thing. I you know, Mm -hmm. you just you don't know what you don't know. And I you know, I remember the first time that I kissed a girl. Like and I had kissed you know plenty of guys, and I kissed a girl, and I was like oh, that's what that is. Yeah, oh,
0: when everybody talks about those fireworks or when everybody talks about, like, that passion,
1: oh, okay,
0: <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah,
1: that gets it, yeah. Just, like, the first time that I, like, put on a full, like, you know, dress shirt and tie, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, there you are. Yeah. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, it's that, you finally find yourself. But mm-hmm. you don't you don't know. You just go through the motions. You, and you listen think to what society is.
0: says. You're like, why can't I just be like the rest of them? Is so, yeah. something wrong with me? And that is such... A horrible thought and I can't believe in 2020 that we are still putting people in boxes and expecting them to conform to societal
1: standards Yep. sadly Anselmo would be diagnosed with HIV six months later and passed away in 1993 George was devastated but could not reveal his personal grief to the world he said of this time it was terribly depressing it took me about three years to grieve then after that I lost my mother I felt almost like I was cursed
0: wow that's dark Hmm. however george could mobilize to raise money to support victims he did just that by getting involved with in the elton john foundation taking a position as an lgbtq rights campaigner and donating the proceeds from last christmas to aids research and then in 1996 george met and fell in love with executive kenny goss the two would remain together for more than a decade and whether they would have stayed in the closet no one knows In 1998, George was outed after being arrested for public lewdness, a term for homosexuality, but the artist saw the outing as a relief, even with the harsh backlash she faced. And of course, he faced a torrent of outrage, telling the Huffington Post, Right up until my arrest, I was still totally naive about the level of homophobia. There's no question when I look back, it really would have hurt me if I had come out sooner. I didn't realize how much I was protecting my career. I probably wouldn't have to. I probably wouldn't have got to sing with Aretha Franklin or to rise that high. And that's yeah. so unfortunately true. Yeah,
1: it is. And, and I like the point of like you really even if you are part of the queer community because he was active in the queer community to an extent. Um, but even then, you don't realize how homophobic people are until you're out and you're open. Until
0: you wear it on your sleeve, you do not understand.
1: Right. But even though his career never fully recovered in some places, George Michael would still continue to remain an icon until his death. The years following his passing saw the Christmas hit chop the charts once again. The musician found his true abilities when he created the song Last Christmas, and he paid for countless treatments and research through the song's royalties, and had his Last Christmas on December 25th, 2016, the day he passed away. And your recommended resource is of course "The Song Last Christmas" and it's many 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 variations through the years. We also encourage you to check out the other songs of George Michael this holiday season and well into the new year.
0: And uh probably at the bottom of this script I'll play I'll post uh, the yeah. playlist of like his most played songs on Spotify. Mm. So check that out if you don't. I mean you can you look can, up George Michael. You can Michael
1: post that. that that video of Last Christmas which is Weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can also that. well in
0: our clips to watch section. Yeah. I've been adding go. a clips to watch. You can check out a couple. They might not be resources, but maybe they're further listening or they're another person talking about uh the event in another way, the experience in another way, whatever it may be for the episode. Yeah. Um but, but yeah, yeah, I hope that was you know, it was fun. It was if it's so, supposed to be a fun episode, but of course I had to bring up all the injustices that there the queer are. Community but you faces. know what?
1: It's still it's still the point of like uh, it was so interesting me interesting to me how intertwined his life was with Christmas. I mean, the song "Last Christmas" launched his solo career. It was a song he did completely by himself. It gave him the confidence he needed. He used those royalties to pay for AIDS research, and then he passes away on December twenty fifth. Mm-hmm. I mean. He's the gay father Christmas. Uh, he you is know, gay, the like, gay father Christmas. <laughs> it's just it, really interesting. Does
0: anybody want to draw us a gay homoerotic George Michael in a Santa suit <laughs> to put on our website? I don't
1: know if someone needs to. I'm sure we can find one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: probably. <laughs> you can. Oh, and with that, stay queer.
1: Don't go lobotomy.
0: We love you, our little allied hookers. And our
1: little succulent sapphists.
0: Resist the oppressors, our proud homocrats.
1: And have yourself a holiday sodomy circus.
0: Or don't. And And Black Black
1: Lives Lives Matter. Matter. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe and review wherever you are listening and follow us on social media at Your Queer Story.
0: Like what you heard? Want to share your story? Send us a voice message to add to the podcast from the Anchor app or at anchor.fm slash yourqueerstory.
1: And if you would like to support the work we do or get exclusive content, check us out on patreon.com slash yourqueerstory.
0: See you next week. Bye. Bye.
1: Thank you.